For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to Over the Line, a very, very special edition. That is correct. It's special one because it's Saturday night, which makes it super special. We don't do podcasts on Saturday night, yet here we are. But this is special because it's the show that we've been telling you about for so long. The Conspiracy Show, which I don't know that I even want to call it The Conspiracy Show because a lot of this stuff is very real. But we talked about it a lot that Trish and I would be getting together, doing a show, and here we are. My partner, Patricia Caswell, right here with me. Trish, glad we could finally do this. I'm so excited to finally be doing this. I know you are. You've been... Here's what's funny is I've watched you take on this role of a a radio person. Even though we decided this is not going to be like a a radio show or even um, a a podcast, one of my normal podcasts. This is just going to be you and I hanging out on a Saturday night having a conversation. And uh, you completely took on the role of radio person doing show prep. Uh, getting ready, taking you got your little notebook beside you like you like it, and uh, you're ready to go. Listen, I've been doing this for six years, just waiting to actually do a podcast on it. Yeah, there's been uh, there's been a, a quite a few times in the, the the length of time that we've been together that you've really broken down some of this stuff for me. Yeah, well, so, I, have, I have a YouTube channel, and my intentions were always to do some of these videos if you will yeah and just never got around to it so i'm excited to do it finally and it took a radio boyfriend <laughs> to make it happen that's right to show up now if you're watching us live we're doing this on facebook um 
we had to, because of, do I call it logistics? It's because we didn't really have the best setup to just set the studio up where her and I are both on camera and do the podcast. And we didn't want to like put the camera in the corner of the room and make, make it look like you're spying in on our security camera. So we decided we're just going to go the route of uh, letting you guys watch what is on the screen. And as we go along, when we need to pull things up or whatever, we can do that and you can see it. Now, for those of you listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other outlets, you're not going to see any of that. So it doesn't really matter to you. But there are some things within what we're going to talk about that are that, that need a visual aspect to it. You know, whether that's pictures, police sketch, or whatever. And I don't know how deep we're going to get into a lot of these things because we discussed uh, this being the inaugural show. Did I say that right? Inaugural? Yes. Inaugural. Inaugural. With this being the first show, we're going to be brushing on several topics. And as we move forward, whether we do these a couple times a month or however we decide to break them down... In the future, we'll be doing one topic per show for the most part because you've got numerous things from uh, Penn State with Jerry Sandusky over to Pizzagate, over to a kid that some of y'all may know as Johnny Gosh, over to Britney Spears, even UFOs and Aliens, which have been in the headlines over the past week as uh, the New York Times put out a piece of some some uh, released information by the military that, hey, we've seen a lot of UFOs, which I find incredibly interesting. And uh, I, I know Trish has been following that stuff for a while. You used to live out in New Mexico. Yes. So you're kind of somewhat a around the area of the country where aliens are kind of the, the pastime, if you like... Roswell, I, I would think, yeah, I would think New, like New Mexico is like aliens to New Mexico is like Alabama football to here. Is that it? Is aliens the, the football? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Now, if you're in Roswell, yes. Because it seems like, you know, you. I picture, we. I haven't gone out there, but you promised to take me. I picture all the restaurants and the bars and stuff having a very alien theme. Listen, the McDonald's in Roswell is shaped like a UFO. Nice. The Walmart has aliens lining the windows. Um, <laughs> every store, even the bank, is shaped like Jupiter. I mean, everything out there revolves around aliens in that town. It's pretty cool. Everything is uh, everything is uh, space-related. Yes. You get it. Yes. I like it. Are you over there texting me right now? <laughs> I did right before the show, yeah. Oh, it was before the show. I don't, yeah. I'm like, why is she texting me about going to the gym? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna put me on blast huh well i just well see here's the I thing caught, caught me off guard i'm sitting here in my gym clothes and i've become one of those people that i used to laugh at i'm running around in gym clothes every day and i haven't seen the inside of a gym in probably six months right so we're gonna go to the gym so i'm not one of those people we we do need to hook that up now <laughs> uh real quick let me do this I have, i'm trying to make sure we share this video on all of our media outlets and i may task you, if you will, with uh, keeping up with the chat on, which I can kind of do that too over here on the tablet, but this is all new to us, the setup, so we're trying to just do it as we go. Uh, let's see, I'm going to post on Twitter real quick that Andrew and Trish discuss what? 
Child trafficking. That's going to be the main theme, even though we're going to touch on uh, a lot of a lot of topics. Hold on, I know this is very professional, but like I said, this is not a professional podcast. Let me make sure I'm not. They spelling know who it wrong. we are. They're used to that. Y'all know this. <laughs> uh, okay, Da-da-da. I put Andrew in Thresh. Uh, okay, all right, we're good. All right, now the Twitter people know. And also, if you want to uh, be, if you're listening to it live, watching it live, and you want to be part of the discussion, or you got a question or a comment, you can send that to the Twitter at Andrew McLean Who, or you can just obviously use the chat here on uh, Facebook. Let me pull that up as well, so I kind of got a handle on what you guys are saying. Plus, I don't. It's kind of nice not having to look at myself. Can I say that? Yeah. I don't like. I don't really like watching myself in the webcam. Mm, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. Why? <laughs> I don't believe that. You're you're referring to me staring at myself in the mirror as a past one in the house. I'm referring to all the selfies in your phone and the. Listen, <laughs> when I take selfies, <laughs> and the rewatching your videos. Those selfies are for you, oh, by okay. the way, <laughs> or they're for some sort of face app that's like you know. Oh gosh, if you guys my... could see the stuff I got <laughs> today from him. No, listen, for real. <laughs> there was a there's an app, and it's called. Um, let's see, what did I? What was it called? Where's my phone? I don't know, but I don't think I can unsee what I saw today. Oh, it's so good. I need to post it. <laughs> you it's, do. It's called Doubly Cat. D o u b l i c a t. And you pay for this, um, this subscription. You can pay weekly or monthly or whatever. And it's got all these videos and these GIFs that you can literally crop your face on. It's like music videos or just different things. And they put your face on there. And all you do is take a selfie and it puts it on there. And if it's a music video where they're singing or whatever, they'll have your mouth moving and everything. It looks legit. Like I've never seen (laughs) a Photoshop job like this app does. Let me tell you. It's insane. I had no idea that this was even a thing. And I receive a text message from him, and I open it up, and it is his face perfectly covering all of the girls from the Moulin Rouge video. (laughs) It's the most disturbing thing I think I've ever seen. I said, this is what I feel like (laughs) when I get ready in the morning. (laughs) I feel sexy like the Moulin Rouge girls. Oh, gosh. It was was, terrible. It was good. So, uh, let's start off doing this. And you guys that are watching and listening, you can share the video if you'd like. Put it on your page. There's just there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And she did a lot more preparation than I did. But I think I got enough crammed in my head to at least keep this thing going. Where do we want to start? Well, and the prep that I actually did was just kind of um, writing down a few of the cases that I've covered over the years myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that have kind of strung all of this together for me. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we probably should start with the Epstein stuff since that's current. That's current. And today we spent um, we spent the day watching the Jeffrey Epstein Netflix special, which a lot of you guys, you know, probably know pretty well. Uh, I, at least I say that because I feel like so many people have have. Uh, watched it or has commented on it so well it's becoming mainstream now yes and it was very telling we know what we know i know in in the radio business or in the podcast business we've talked about the jeffrey epstein stuff from a social aspect and from a legal aspect but to actually sit down 
and hear the details of how these guys, what these guys did and how they did it, it was very, very disturbing. And, and one of the striking things, and this is, this doesn't need to be taken in a way that is to take away from the survivors of Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. The, the one stark contrast I've noticed is, is in most of these cases of child trafficking or uh, sex abuse is they they keep these kids and these these young girls almost prisoner and it's usually like in a really run down house in a basement literally shackled to a wall just something real disgusting the first thing i think of is in ohio when uh i think the guy's name was uh oh god what was it angel uh it was uh, Angel Castro or something. What? I don't remember. You remember the guy with the, that that found the girls? That she had been locked up and had children by her captor? Yes. Amanda Berry yes. was the girl's name. Yes, yes. And the biggest thing I remember from that, unfortunately, is Charles Ramsey, where he was being interviewed by the cops. He was the one that, that the girls yelled to, to hey, help, help us get out of here. We've been in here for a decade. And he said, I knew something was wrong. When a pretty little white girl was running to a black man's arms, that was a dirt <laughs> giveaway, <laughs> and I'll never get over that. But that's yeah, but a- see, like with the Epstein thing, it's different because he actually paid for them to go to school. He kept right. them held up in mansions and um, very available to his rich and powerful friends uh, by keeping them in his actual home. Exactly. So it's it was a matter that that was one of the striking things for me was the 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 stark difference in those two in a case like we saw in Ohio but these girls they were not captured and 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 shackled and stuffed in a trunk and carried to a discreet location they were lured in with promises of them paying for an education going on exotic uh vacations and not really having to do anything for it besides come to the Epstein's house, come to Epstein's house or his private island or whatever, and just giving him giving him a massage. Well, he painted himself as a flamp. How do you say it? Flamp. Say it for me. No, it's a flamp. Hold on, I got it. Hold on, hold on. Philanthropist. Thank you. You got it. Um, and so many of these girls, you know, came to his home through family members, where he said, "Oh." You have a niece or a sister that wants to go to school and um, Ireland will pick and he pays for them to go and then goes and visits them and and um, traffics them while he's there. So a lot of these girls were actually going to his home because they thought he was actually like donating his time and money to them. Right. So or to their future. Well, and now that I've brought up Charles Ramsey, I, I've got to play <laughs> a little bit of him. I can't help oh, it because it's absolutely my favorite. So I don't even think that audio is playing. Something's wrong with that video. Sometimes you have to click the unmute button at the bottom of the video. Well, that's it's it's playing, but sometimes it does it in mono. It's it's whatever. We'll just edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just leave it there. Who cares? But he's my favorite, Charles Ramsey. I absolutely love that guy. It was so so freaking good. And now it with was the, that, oh. with that story. Was she? Did she have like two children by him or one? There was a couple. There was a couple of kids. I know, I know there was at least two by mm-hmm. this guy. Um, Amanda Berry 
and I'm trying to think of the the other girl's name. And I wish I could remember the guy. What was what was? See, uh, we're off to a great start. Yeah, this is a right. case we didn't even discuss. I know it just came up. <laughs> Off the top of my head, as I'm Googling this real quick, Amanda Berry had a daughter. Um, a- Angel people. Angel Castro, I think is a guy. I'm not sure of his first name, but his last name was Castro. Joyce Lynn, Amanda Berry's daughter. Uh, five facts you need to know. So maybe it was just one between t- 2002 and 2004. Ariel Castro, let's call him Angel Castro. Ariel Castro kidnapped three girls in the in the Tremont neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio. He held them captive until 2013 when Amanda Berry escaped with her six-year-old daughter, Joyce Lynn Berry, and contacted police. Uh, ahead of the 2020 episode where the three victims, Berry, Michelle Knight, and Gina DeJesus, tell their emotional stories of hope, resilience, and bravery to ABC News anchor Robin Roberts, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Barry tried to make her life as normal as possible while being held captive and how Jocelyn is doing now. That's what she talked about in the video. But so it was just one and I, I don't, I guess the other two girls didn't have a, a, um, a child, a child by, uh, Ariel Castro, but that guy ultimately killed himself in prison, if I'm not mistaken. But the, the point of bringing that case up, cause we didn't intend on talking about it was, that the Jeffrey Epstein deal was that so much different than what we're used to seeing in child trafficking, where they're snatched up off, off the street, stuffed in a van, and hauled off to you know a place where nobody ever sees them again. And it's it's prominent now. We're talking about conspiracy theories. That right there, child trafficking. We all can conclusively agree is a real thing, right? Absolutely. You know, it's, we're seeing uh, politicians talk about it, uh, the president, everybody talks about it, they, they make moves within the FBI and the Justice Department to stop this stuff, and they talk about how widespread it is, not only in this country, but across the world. But the question is, if it's widespread, who's the people doing it? Is it just random sickos? Or all these dots we see that seem to be connecting are these very powerful people that are doing this child trafficking or being ringleaders, if you will, of this child trafficking. People like Epstein. Because criminal networks, we know, are very um, sophisticated and they're run like a well, well-oiled machine. And that's how they get away with this stuff. But how high up does some of this stuff go? And as you go through case by case, you start realizing more and more of the connections. Um, we can start off with, what do you want to start off with? Well, I'm just thinking about um, the motive behind the Epstein ring that we're focusing on right right now. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that maybe he was just putting, because he had cameras in every square inch of that house or every house that he was in. Um, do you think he was actually just putting these people in compromising positions so that he could blackmail them? Um, and that's the reason he was doing it. 
Yeah, there there's a a good question to be asked when it comes to the people that seem to be associated with the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Right now in the news headlines, you see Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. you see Bill Clinton. Those those are the two high profile names you see brought up in media, in some media. Obviously, the mainstream media is running cover for Bill Clinton. But those are the two prominent names you see as of right now. But there's so many more. Oh, there's Woody Allen and Weinstein and um, Dershowitz. And Allen there's Dershowitz. So, there's so many people. So many people connected with this stuff. Absolutely. And a good question, Trish, I think you just asked, which was, were they just sickos? Like, they were two sickos that were friends. And he's like, hey, I've got you know this person over here if you want to come have your way. Or was there business transactions? Were there leaders of, of uh, uh, companies or people with power coming over there and say, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You're Prince Andrew, you're a pretty powerful person. Jeffrey Epstein says, hey, if you'll do this for me, I, I've, I've got uh, some young girls over here that you know you can yada, yada, yada with. Is it something like that? Or... Is it, we're friends, come over here and do this. And then, like you said, Jeffrey Epstein, have that that evidence of them together. And then on the backside, hanging it over their head and getting his way that way. So there's one of two things. He's using it to blackmail them. Or they're just mutually, hey, we're doing this and we're buddies and we're just helping each other out. I don't know that it makes that big of a difference. Well, it does make a difference. To me, it does make a difference. Well, it it, do- it's hard to wrap my mind around that there are that many people that are into children or, you know, um, you know, that reaches into the Pizzagate thing. And, because this is bigger than Epstein. You know, I started noticing this back around 2004. Um, and it's it's just kind of been something that's known, but it's just now... Uh, being found out like mainstream. Right. Um, so it's definitely bigger than that. I think it's definitely about power and money and having something to blackmail these people in high places with. You think about that scheme, though, and for him to do that, uh, bring in these people, because he doesn't, you know, th- at some point they had to have the discussion of, hey, are you into underage girls? Right. For him to know to approach somebody like Prince Andrew or Bill Clinton and say, hey, do you want to, you know, do the thing on Epstein Island or you want to come over here and meet these girls? Like, they both knew, but I say both, all, all those people knew that, that the other person was a sicko. And, uh, but, do you, but do we know that they knew they were underage? That's the question I'm asking because there are a lot of girls that... You know, 12 years old, you put makeup on them, they look 20. That's true. And so I'm wondering if, like with Prince Andrew, they went out dancing that night um, and things didn't escalate until they got back to the townhouse that night. Um, If maybe he thought she was of age and then she wasn't. And now Epstein's got photographic, video evidence, um, all this stuff on him. And so some context to that, the girl you're talking about, and if you've watched the Epstein documentary, you you know this, you saw this. It was the blonde-headed girl. What was her name? Uh, Victoria Reynolds, I believe. Victoria 
Reynolds. I think. I think that's I, her I name. I want to say her name was something else. It might have been. I'm not sure. Anyway, this girl, it's the blind-headed girl in the documentary. Virginia Rogers. Virgi- that's, that's it. Virginia that's, Rogers. Yeah. Um, she accused Jeffrey Epstein. She also accused uh, Prince Andrew, and she accused Alan Dershowitz as well. But there were many others, but those are the three high-profile names that and we're talking about. And she had pictures. And she had pictures of her and Prince Andrew together. Mm-hmm. She told stories of... of Being uh, with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Uh, mm-hmm. She said that she saw Bill Clinton there, but never witnessed him doing anything with any of the girls. Right. Uh, but Bill Clinton, and here's the kicker. With Bill Clinton and both Prince Andrew, they deny all of it when they don't necessarily have to. They They can say they went here or they hung out with Epstein... Without, you know, admitting their guilt yet. So Prince Andrew, who could have said, like you just said, hey, I didn't know she was underage. Epstein invited me over, said this girl is 18, 19, 20 years old, and she turned out to be 16 or 17. I didn't know that. He said, no, I did nothing with this girl, and I don't even recall the picture of her and I together. Now, those two together was obviously at Epstein's place. Actually, it was at uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's place. Um, she is in the background of that photo, so there's no denying that that's where they were. Uh, he denies even knowing about that picture. And the same with Big Willie, where he says, I've never been to Epstein's Island, but on the flight logs, he's been on that plane going to Epstein's Island 26 times. Right. So, these guys don't have their story straight on the front end. There's no way you've been on Epstein's plane 26 times and forgot about all 26 of them. And really, if you ask me, if you're Prince Andrew, you don't forget about going to Ghislaine's Maxwell's uh, townhome in, I guess, I think this was in London, somewhere in the UK. And you don't forget about that and forget about... Whatever it is y'all Dancing did. Dancing the night away. Yeah, that was another thing. <laughs> yeah. She said on the front end of that story that they went to a club. They were uh, dancing and he was grinding all on her. This, that, and the other. And that he was profusely sweating. And she just remembers how disgusting it was to her. Mm-hmm. They bring that up to him in one of the interviews we were watching today. And he's like, well, there's a weird thing. I've got a kind of a quirky medical condition that uh, didn't allow me to sweat, at least not used to sweat. It's like now, yeah, it's I sweat different. now, but I don't. I didn't sweat back then. Yeah. And he says that's why <laughs> it's it's very improbable that this this is uh, a true story. Now, this girl ultimately escaped in a way that was fairly interesting. She she had been um, she had been approached by Ghislaine Maxwell who said, I, I've got something very serious to talk to you about. And she's like, oh no, what is it? She said, Jeffrey and I, because Ghislaine is Jeffrey's girlfriend, quote unquote. And really, she's basically the handler of all this trafficking mess. Jeffrey and I want to have a baby together. And we need you to be the one to carry that baby. And of course, her heart sank. She doesn't want to do that, but she's afraid to say no. And she says, well, can you just please allow me to get my massage masseuse therapist degree or certificate and then we'll do it and they're like yeah of course so a couple weeks later epstein hands this girl 
a uh, a plane ticket to was it Thailand? Sends her to Thailand, and she I guess goes there. I guess that's where she was getting her certificate or whatever. I, I don't know how that worked. Anyway, she met a guy, fell in love, got married, and then called Epstein and said, "Hey, I'm not coming back." Within a week. Within a week, yeah. she had fell in love with this guy, <laughs> married him, and she was like, I, I'm not coming back. I've started a new life. He got mad, hung up on her, and she just never went back. They moved to Australia. That's how she escaped. And then her life goal after that was to take Epstein down, and she was a big player in that. A yeah, big player. Um, at first, unfortunately, when she came out with those accusations, she was portrayed as a drug addict in the media, a prostitute, a former prostitute, a very troubled kid. They didn't give her the benefit of a doubt, but she just kept going and kept going. But that's kind of how her story went. Uh, uh, but just back to the Prince Andrew part of it, you remember as we were watching, babe, it was it was almost confirmed. You know, she was talking about how sweaty he was and he was grinding on her at the at the club and all that. But then she, the the um, what was the guy that worked? Uh, he was just an Epstein employee. Yeah, he worked at, the, he, at yeah, the house. Right. So he had to get questioned by the FBI. And one of the things he pointed out to them was he saw Prince Andrew there as well. And he remembers that girl. What was her name? Reynolds? In a bathing suit. In a bathing suit. Topless. Just a bikini bottom in the pool with Prince Andrew as he was grinding all over her in that instance as well. So a lot of that stuff lines up. But uh, it's... Uh, tell me her name again. It's Virginia Roberts. Virginia Roberts. I'm going to pull her up here no, so Rogers. people can see. Virginia Rogers. Virginia Rogers. Yes. And I'm sorry for you people that are just listening to this on the audio podcast. Um, you just don't get to see this stuff. Virginia Rogers. Why does Google want to know my location? Virginia Roberts. Yeah, it seems to me that Epstein, you know, he's paying these girls $200 to come to his house Starting at the age of 14. Now, here's the photo, for those of y'all watching, with Prince Andrew and Virginia Roberts. You see Ghislaine Maxwell in the background. Here's Prince Andrew, and here she is. She's 17 at the time, correct? In that photo? Yeah. Yes. And Prince Andrew claims he doesn't even know, he doesn't even remember this video. And also, he couldn't sweat at the time. Now, she does say that at that particular, I believe in that particular meeting, um, that Maxwell had him guess her age, and he guessed that she was seventeen, and she confirmed it. So That's he, right. if if her story is correct, he did know that she was underage. That is correct. So he did. Um, but that's her story. I can't, you know. Obviously, he's going to have a different story. Yeah, and she said. I think the way she put it was, Ghislaine or uh, Ghislaine. Jelaine, we've been working on pronouncing her name. Just say GM. And GM. G <laughs> Maxwell said, um, she said G Maxwell had her favorite game that she liked to play, and that was always when guests were over, she would come to one of the girls and say, how old do you think she is? And you know, I th this, is, this plays into what I was saying before. They had cameras in every room of that house, like all over each room. She's getting them to confirm that they understand that these girls are underage by playing that game. Right. That's my take on it anyway. And now they've got it on film that he's saying, this girl is 17, and I understand she's 17. Right. So why would they be doing that? That's a good question. Now, this is just one story of many, and I encourage you to go watch that Epstein um, 
documentary it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, we fought it for a long time because you know Trish feels like most people do that this guy's a sicko, and to watch what these girls went through, uh, or, or hear them recant the stories or retell the stories, rather, it's hard. It's it's emotionally tough to sit there and listen to what these people went through. But for the sake of the podcast, she toughed well, it out and we watched it. I've looked into this stuff for so long that I started having nightmares about it. Right. And that's why I didn't want to watch it. I just didn't want to have any more nightmares about it. So It's uh it's it's pretty serious stuff. So anyway, again, that's that's one of many stories you can go watch that and get uh the, the nitty gritty details out of that. But it's a it's a must watch. I mean it's it's number one. That is one of the powerful people um, involved in this this world of of child sex trafficking, but there's another there there's another set of powerful people that are outside of the financial world, and that is those in Washington D.C. We talked about Bill Clinton; he's one of many. And I don't know that you can even tie Bill Clinton to some of these other politicians. He seems to be directly tied to Epstein, but Epstein was around a lot of powerful people. Then you move over and you got another set that for for years these people have had this this shadow of uh, child trafficking and, and almost pedophilia accusations that they've never not just been held accountable for, but they've never been questioned about it. And it's because they're powerful, they're shielded by the media, and that is your Hillary Clintons, your John Podestas, your Anthony Wieners, a lot of people, I can't even go through the list, but there's a lot of people involved in that, and that, a lot of that really came to the forefront for most people who didn't really keep up with this stuff when Pizzagate came out. Now, I remember Pizzagate coming out and... and well, I, t- I take that back. I remember the Hillary Clinton emails. Well, they were Podesta emails coming out from WikiLeaks during the 2016 presidential election. And at that point, I was at 101.1. And, and I specifically remembers Jeff Myers. You know, some of y'all remember Jeff Myers. He was a producer for the guys. Jeff Myers and myself were neck deep in these emails all day long, all night long, sifting through these, trying to find anything we could that was going to be damaging towards Hillary Clinton. Because we're currently in a campaign. We obviously don't want Hillary to be president. We're pushing for Trump, and we're thinking, man, this is going to be a gold mine. There's obviously some damaging stuff. Otherwise, WikiLeaks wouldn't have even cared to put it out. And we got to find out what it is. We got it. First of all, we got a job to do. We're on the radio. We're going to be talking about this stuff. It's the biggest news story in God knows how long. And we're sifting through it. And in no way did we have any idea what was to come. And that's where Pizzagate was born. And Trish, you've looked into Pizzagate quite a bit. You and I have studied it a lot together. Even this far after. I mean, to this day, you and I may get on YouTube sometimes and we're like, all right, let's look at some Pizzagate stuff. But if you dare bring it up, you're painted as crazy. Well, I think that most people, 
can't wrap their mind around this being a real thing. They can't wrap their mind around the actual evil that is going on. Or people that powerful doing that kind of stuff. Right. Because like you said before, when you think of a missing person or someone that's been trafficked, you think of the dungeon with the chains on the wall. You don't think about the mansion in the middle of Washington. Right. You know? Um, But it is amazing to me that there isn't a bigger outcry for answers to this stuff that came out. Yeah. Um, I think what bothers me, and even working in radio, at the time it wasn't a big deal. It was new news, and we got to report on all of it. But now it's almost, it's not that you're told not to say it or talk about it, but you get the vibe in radio or in media in general that that's not a trail you want to go down in discussing Pizzagate. Like most radio people, especially in talk radio, would be very hesitant about doing an entire show on Pizzagate. Right? Because, one, you don't want to isolate half your audience and make them think you're crazy. But two, you don't know what kind of repercussions are going to come from the top if you go down that rabbit hole. And, and discussing that stuff. Here, we have an open forum. Obviously, Facebook and YouTube and everybody else has got the ability to shoot this video down and, and take it down whenever they hear the part about Pizzagate. But uh, it's just, it, it's, it's one of those things nobody wants to talk about. And it's odd because it is a, it, it is a story that never received any answers. It's almost like an unsolved mystery. And, and on its face, when it comes to parts of Pizzagate, where within the Podesta emails, there was a lot of talk that didn't make, a lot of emails that didn't make sense related to food, related to pizza, where they would say certain phrases and the context of it made no sense whatsoever. And people started tying that in to code words used by pedophiles. Nobody ever gave any answers for why you put those words in an email or you wrote those sentences in the way you wrote them. What was the context? It's a simple question the media could have asked. And if you are either the author or the the, the recipient of those emails and it was innocent, I'd be at the forefront saying, hey, here's what that meant. That's it's This is not what you think it is. There's a perfectly logical explanation. And then it all goes away. And then it all goes away. But instead, the best answer we've gotten out of people like Podesta or Hillary or anybody else involved in this stuff is, I don't really remember sending those emails. I don't remember it at all. That's all we get? Well, even if you don't remember, as I read you these lines, could it refresh your memory? Or do you know if somebody else wrote it, what that would mean? Can you give me some context? Nothing. We got nothing. Now, I guess it's important to go back where all this started. And let me back up here. I'm trying to... uh, Oh, crap. Let me get Charles Ramsey off my screen here. (laughs) You worked so hard on that. I know. (laughs) I failed so hard. Um, So we started off with the Anthony Weiner laptop, right? This is where this entire thing 
kicks off. Anthony Weiner, if you recall the story, he gets he gets tied up in a bust with the FBI. They're getting word that he's talking to and trying to solicit underage girls on the internet. Sending naked pictures, wieners, you know, sending pics of his wiener or whatever. Um, and that turns into him being arrested. His, uh, his things, electronics, being confiscated. And we heard from the people that investigated that or from people that had knowledge of that investigation that you had hardened investigators that have been doing this for 30 and 40 years almost have emotional breakdowns when they saw what was on the Wiener laptop, right? So it had to be some pretty, pretty disturbing stuff. Once that happened, I believe that is when people started digging and trying to find out what all is going on and with this stuff that Anthony Weiner is doing, how widespread is it? Eventually, that leads to someone hacking John Podesta's emails. Now, John Podesta is what? Hillary Clinton's campaign manager at the time. And he's talking to some pretty powerful people back and forth. The Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016 had the full force and the full power of the government at their disposal, which is completely unfair. I think, Trish, you and I both agree on that. Yeah. This is this is political Andrew talking. I know we're we're I'm not gonna we're go too to far into that. A conversation. Right. <laughs> and so Hillary Clinton's got the entire power of the government at her disposal because all of government is against Donald Trump becoming president. So John Podesta is talking to a lot of powerful people. He's going back and forth talking to people within the campaign, people within the White House. Uh, they're, they're talking about anything and everything. I mean, it could be anything from talking about dinner plans or what they're doing this weekend or the fact that they're going to Walmart to buy new underwear. It was a lot of emails. You get within the emails. Let me do this. Once you start looking through the emails that were released on WikiLeaks, you start seeing those odd Strange context emails, and it was related to pizza, thus Pizzagate. This is where the name comes from. And a lot of those, um, a lot of those emails, I say a lot of them because I don't know exactly how many there were, were using some of the same terminology that the FBI recognizes as terms, code words, that pedophiles use to communicate to each other, right? Right. And you can name off some of those, Trish. I, I can't think off the top of my head. You, you, they said things like cheese pizza. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Let's let's go through this. Hold on a second. Was it walnut sauce? Walnut sauce. Let's see. Let's see. FBI. Pedophile. Code word. Code words. Let's do that. Um, secret codes used on children. FBI code word. 
Let's try this. Oh, that's a YouTube video. We don't want to do that. Um, FBI pedophile symbols. This is on... Uh, this is actually WikiLeaks. So, this is an actual FBI document. Symbols and logos used by pedophiles to identify sexual preferences, right? And you've seen the triangular symbol. And Trish, you can, maybe you can describe it better than I can. It's It looks like a spiral, but in a triangle shape. Yeah, so it's basically a triangle that's just curling around inside of itself. Right. If that makes sense. I can't see your screen, but I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> well, here, you can even, uh, you can look at this and you can see what okay. I'm looking at. It's a little okay. delayed, but it'll help you out. Um, that symbol, the very, you know, symmetrical triangle symbol stands for, it's called the B logo and it stands for boy lover, boy lover. And then there's another symbol, which is more like a curved. It's the same thing, but it's curved. It almost looks like somebody unraveled a, a paper clip and trying to put it into that shape. And that's called LB logo. And it stands for. Little boy lover. Little boy lover. I'm going to get you to move up that mic a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't... <laughs> I'm looking at this thing. We had, we had this discussion before the show, and I was like... Well, I didn't know you wanted me to answer you until I was you like, sat there. So. Trish, here's what I need you to do. Okay, I'm all up on it now. I need you to make sure you stay close to the mic. <laughs> Just, ah, I got this. Don't worry about it. Well... <laughs> no, you're doing good. Um, What else? Uh, That triangular logo printed on coins. Which, by the way... You see that logo in a lot of places. You see it on shirts. You see it on the Pope's uniform, as a matter of fact. You see it um, You see it in the pizza restaurant that's at the center of the whole Pizzagate controversy. Well, and that was the... There was a pizza place that was next door to Comet Ping Pong Pizza, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the store that had that particular logo now there's plenty of logos we won't go through all of them but but they, they had it on their sign and they literally took their sign down as soon as this thing broke almost like they knew it was coming let's see you what know? the comet pizza logo comet ping pong ping pong <laughs> bing bing bong you need, pull, you need to pull up the new pope's uniform too yeah we can do that <laughs> it's all over his uniform all right Besta Pizza, a pizza place not too far away from Comet Ping Pong, so this was one that was down the street, had a logo that was almost identical to the pedophile symbol for Boy Lover. Shortly after people on the internet began questioning it, they changed their logo. And those of you watching, you can see it. It, it is. It's, it's almost identical. It's just kind of turned... It's turned upside down, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's... You know, probably, they probably try to put it off as like a slice of pizza. And that's where the logo comes from. But it's it's too coincidental. Now, I don't know the relationship, and you may, Trish, between Best of Pizza and Comet Ping Pong. No, I don't remember. Um, but the fact that they were so close to each other, a lot of people said, hey, 
there may be something to that. Yeah, and we'll have to do an actual show on that because there is a there are a lot of connections between politicians and just that pizza place. So Pizza Gate yeah, is a big thing that we're going to be getting into. We're going to have to do a whole show on that. There's just so much information. As we go along, we'll we'll give you a lot of that information. I'll I'll get sunk down the rabbit hole talking about <laughs> yeah comet ping pong pizza and all that stuff because there's videos we got to play you guys there's um videos and and from from comet ping pong pizza where they'd have private parties and and speakers or uh, people on stage talking about some pretty sick stuff the instagram posts that show the shady basement and then things like the alex jones connection where he basically got framed for a bunch of stuff related to this and caught a bunch of heat he, he does that a lot, but, you know, it's Alex Jones for you. So, that one, as we get into that, that'll be, God, man, that, that show, that show may take three or four hours to yeah. go through all that. Oh, my gosh. And I'll be going through all these emails. Um, what, what else uh, are we going to be doing on future shows? Well, I'd like to do an episode on Johnny Gosh. There's enough information there. Do you know who that is? Johnny Gosh, I know what you've told me about Johnny Gosh, but go ahead and refresh okay. me on that story. So Johnny Gosh was, he was um, a newspaper delivery boy that went missing back in 1982. Um, and he was the first kid on the, you know, the missing kids on the cartons of milk. His mom started that. She started the whole missing persons. Um, what is the organization called for lost and missing Exploited and Missing Children. Um, what is that organization called? She started that because she couldn't get the police um, and the FBI to take the case seriously. Yeah. Um, and what's so interesting about that case uh, is that they painted her as crazy because she would not let this go. She was looking for her son. She was turning over every rock she could. And as she slowly turned rocks over, she started finding policemen involved. She started finding... Um, local politicians involved, even family members involved in his disappearance. And this case goes all the way to present day. Um, I don't want to give up too much of it because I'd like to do a show on it. It's very, very interesting. Well, but, we're going to end up repeating ourselves in yeah, a lot of things. Well, so. it's, it's, it was the first case that I personally saw. It was like 2004 or 2005 when I learned about this case. And um, where I saw sex trafficking for the first time. And how how it was ingrained in the political system in their town. Now, so for people that are watching this live, as I do a Google search for images of Johnny Gosh, there are photos of a couple of different kids, or maybe this is the same kid, with his hands tied behind his back and his mouth gagged with a cloth. Now they Give have me not, some backstory okay, on that. So that picture that you're looking at where he's gagged there... Um, that picture was mailed to his mother later on. I want, I don't know how long ago. I want to say like 10 years, 15 years ago. Um, and she can't confirm that it's him. It looks like him. Uh, there was a boy that came forward. Well, actually he was a man when he came forward and admitted to helping, uh, to kidnap Johnny Gosh. He was also in the same sex trafficking ring and they forced him to help kidnap Johnny Gosh. Yeah. And he gave the mother information on the ranch in New Mexico that he was being held in. Um, gave them all kinds of information, and the police and F FBI wouldn't take it seriously. And so Noreen, which is Johnny Gosh's mother, 
along with this man, went to this ranch house in New Mexico where his initials were carved into the wall. Scratch marks were in the basement where it looked like people had been trying to scratch their way out. Um, and it's just crazy because the police and FBI just won't take the case seriously. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's a very interesting case. But so that picture was sent to her, but she can't verify that that's her son. Now, is his mom the one that looks kind of like a crossdresser? Have you seen her? It was the early 80s. Well, I, this seems to be a, a recent picture okay, of her. Okay, just she type looks a lot in Noreen Gosh. Yeah, that must be her. When it comes up on my screen, I can tell you. I'm still seeing pictures of Johnny on my screen. Noreen. Let's try. Noreen Gosh. Photos. Okay, yes, that's a, an up-to-date picture of her, yes. Yeah, she's a looker. Listen, if your child went missing... I oh, mean, yeah, she's it been, would, she's it been fighting this since 1982. And the thing about it is, he wasn't the only one that went missing in their town. Right. There were two or three more paper boys that went missing right after he did. And no one took these cases seriously. What are the chances... I mean, y you know in the case like you do... What are the chances of her being involved in that? Or is the, oh, you, none. that seems none. Now her, improbable? Her husband, I say yes. Yeah. I, I say her husband was involved, and the reason I think that is because he had connections with the politicians that were involved, and um, he was receiving phone calls. Every Saturday, he went missing on a Sunday morning. Every Saturday night, for like three or four weeks leading up to the kidnapping, he would get a call around 1, 1.30 in the morning, and he'd just say, no, 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 it's not a good time. Um, and the morning, the the Saturday night before he went missing, he received that call again at 1.30 in the morning, and he told the person, yes, yes, this is a good time. The next morning, Johnny, who would typically go on his newspaper route with his father, went alone for the first time ever Yeah. after that phone call. So that's why she started to think, Maybe he was involved. Um, there's a lot, you know, there's other things tying him to it, but that alone was very suspicious. Right. I'm looking at photos of, we're looking at photos of them now um, holding, at one point, it seems to be a sketch of maybe the, the possible kidnappers. Well, they think there were two cars involved um, and f up to four people. Right. So that's one we're going to get into. We'll dedicate a whole show to the Johnny Gosh situation. Man, it's so interesting, too. Another one is going to be Britney Spears. Oh, now, that's something totally different. <laughs> is it? Is it not count? Well, okay. She's now, not kidnapped. I Britney mean, Spears is technically being held against her will. <laughs> yeah. But she's, she's not being trafficked. It's not the same, but yeah, I get it. So the Britney Spears conspiracy. I know you had a crush on her, so we can talk about it. I it's did. I, I was in love with Britney Spears. When <laughs> I, I was, was too. Um, I knew all the dances when I was younger. Uh, but there's a thing that's been coming up online: uh, hashtag Free Britney, and it's a campaign that's gaining steam. Um, and it's saying <laughs> I can tell you what that's about if you want me to. <laughs> celebrities are even voicing their, their concerns about it. Give us the cliff notes on it real quick. Okay, well, this is kind of a conspiracy theory. Now, the trafficking thing is not. But with Britney Spears, um, I want to say it was like 2005 or 2006. She had a public meltdown um, or she was painted 
to be crazy anyway. Right. She had actually come out against Sony Records, which is the same thing with Michael Jackson and Prince. And you can see on the um, the the tablet there what Insider is saying about it as well. <laughs> okay. Well, um, anyway, so she actually was trying to get out of her record deal with Sony Records and speaking out against it because they were basically treating her like a slave, working her to death and putting her in compromising positions that she didn't want to be in. And um, she went to the extent of recording a song and going to a radio station unannounced, walking in and just saying, I have a song that I need to play for you. And the song was a song about her being essentially kidnapped and held against her will and being forced to sing and perform. Um, and right after she did that, the record execs made them pull that song wouldn't let him play that song anymore, and that's when she had the meltdown, shaved her head. You saw the pictures of her hitting, you know, paparazzi cars and stuff like that. So With the umbrella. Mm-hmm. And that's when all of that stuff happened. Well, then the courts, her dad petitioned to have her committed and to have him be her, what do you call it, like... um um caregiver yeah or, um, or he gets to power of attorney he power gets of attorney, power of attorney it. over her well it was only supposed to be temporary it was supposed to be like six months to a year until she got you know on medication and got you know all of that stuff worked out and it's here what are we at 2020 and yeah she's still under this this thing she can't even get married i mean she's completely under his thumb and she's like 30 what 35 38 years old and all of that money He's got control over all that money. Now, I haven't been paying attention to the free Britney thing. This is just stuff that I know from over the years. Right. This so there is... may be more details there that I don't know about, but that's what I know about. So. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be diving into that more and, mm -hmm. and we ourselves will learn more about it as we go along and prepare to do those podcasts. Well and see and her dad has control over her money and that's what it's it that's what it's looking like it's boiling down to. Is he doesn't want to relinquish control of her money and her ability to make more money. Right. So. Which, um, money will make you do some pretty crazy things. Yeah. Even when it comes to your kids, unfortunately. Absolutely. So we'll do the free Britney stuff. Uh, we've also got, going back to John Podesta, we, we've got to talk about another case that's not in the headlines, but it, it was a big, big story worldwide for a while. And that was Madeline McCann. Yeah, 2007. Now, I remember the incident being in the news. And I remember following the news stories, but not really deep diving into it until, again, the Podesta emails come out and people start telling me, hey, look at this, uh, look at these... Composite drawings. Composite drawings. Yeah. Now, give us... A little bit, uh, uh, cliff notes of the the uh, Madeline McCann story. Madeline McCann is another story that we need to do a full episode on. There's so many different um, theories on what happened to her that are very, very possible. And this is this is unlike yeah. the Johnny Gosh stuff. This is a situation where there are a lot of people that feel her parents were involved. I, I believe her parents were involved. Yeah, I personally believe her parents were involved. Um, but yeah, she went missing in Portugal. She was on vacation with her parents. It was like 2007. Apparently in a, an affluent family with some money to be yeah. vacationing in Portugal. 
there were they were doctors. The mom and dad were both doctors, um, and they traveled with the same group. They went to different countries on vacation together or on holiday, as they call it. Um, and they would have dinner in a courtyard about a hundred yards away from where the kids were sleeping. And she was like, I think three years old at the time. And she was the oldest of the three kids. Uh, And they were leaving her alone every night in this apartment while they went to have dinner in this courtyard about a hundred yards away. Um, You couldn't actually see the apartment from where they were sitting, which is what makes it so odd. Right. Um, Anyway, the, the parents would take turns going up and checking on the kids. And when, you know, the mom went up to check on her at like 9.30 one night. She was missing. And, um, of course, it was a worldwide news for, gosh, years. They get, the, obviously, immediately get the police involved. The police... Yes. Um, there's accusations of the police fumbling it and, and it almost coming Or covering off it up. Yeah. It's covering it up. Right. And, and if there's... I think that's a big contributor why people started questioning whether or not powerful people were involved because it it would have lined up that, you know, these police were being paid off. Well, and this one even involves Soros as well because Madeline had a rare um, condition in her eye that I think it's like less than 1% of the population has, maybe smaller than that. And Soros has it as well, and he also has ties directly to the family. Um, so there's also a theory out there that, you know, that he's involved for right. some reason. So, I mean, I, I don't subscribe to that one, but that is one theory that's out there. Well, there's, there's a bunch when it relates to that. When well, you go to there's, the... a, there's a composite of what they say is Maxwell as well. Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. So they're saying that she was possibly involved. That's right. And a lot of that comes from the the uh, composite sketches, mm-hmm. right? So let's see. Uh, how do you, what do you call that? Suspect sketch. Yeah, I think there's like 25 sketches now. Okay. Um, here is one of them. And this is, this is someone... Someone describing a woman they saw near the scene at that time. And if I'm not mistaken, they said she seemed very upset or eager, anxious, something. And she was talking to somebody else that was speaking Spanish or something. We'll we'll get into all that. But a big part of this is going to be those sketches, which I find is the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating parts of that story, okay? Now, these aren't these aren't sketches that people are just making up off the top of their head, right? They, they, they're obviously describing, no. in their own mind, they're just verbally telling a sketch artist, hey, they look like this, their nose was kind of shaped like this, their lips, their hair, whatever. And you've got the one that lines up almost identical with Ghislaine Maxwell. And then the big one, John Podesta and Tony Podesta. Now, again, John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager, uh, a highfalutin guy in Washington, D.C. He's a lobbyist. He's, he's, he's involved deep, deep in politics, right? His brother is the same way because he's a big-time lobbyist. Now, for those of you watching, I want to show you, and if you're listening 
uh, on the podcast on Apple or Spotify. I want you to go Google this so you can see it as well. You do them side by side. Let's see. I'm going to back this up so I can give you all side by side. Let's see. And what's interesting about that is that um, they were actually vacationing very close to where the McCanns were staying yeah. at the time. So that one is a little bit more believable to me just because... What are the chances? Yeah, they were actually staying close by. They were there, which what that likely means, and those of you watching, you can see that now, Tony and uh, uh, John Podesta. John Podesta is the one there on the left and Tony's on the right. So that means it is... 99.99% likely that the people describing who they saw to the sketch artist, they actually saw those two. But the question is, what is their involvement? Now, do you remember off the top of your head what the the witness was saying about these people? No, they didn't. I don't recall them ever... Um. I don't, re- I don't recall individual interviews with different witnesses that saw them. Outside of them saying, these yes, are two guys the only that were in the that, area at yeah, that time. The only witnesses that I can recall seeing, it's been a while since I've researched this case, but um, were the witnesses that saw a man carrying a young girl that is a different sketch that's in there, but they've actually found out that that man was picking his own daughter up from the daycare center that was at the resort. Right. So, But I don't recall any other witnesses you know, with these sketches. That is one, again, one of the most fascinating aspects to the Madeline McCann story is the 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 sketches about such high-profile people. That and, and I tie this Tony Podesta thing, uh, this John Podesta and Tony Podesta, because he's involved with the Podesta emails, back to the shady stuff they were doing in the Pizzagate emails, right? Because they were... They were using terms that are known to known by the FBI to be terms, code words used by pedophiles. So you can't tell me that this guy keeps having these pedophile-esque instances happening to him and it's just coincidence. You know? Yeah. Well, and I do want to tell you that... Um, another set of vacationing parents that had gone on holiday, if you will, with this family came forward after she went missing and told stories of the parents allowing other men to bathe her and do sexual things to her. Um, Basically, they would pass their children around. So um, this family was very disturbed by what happened when they heard, you know, this talk at the table. We can go into all of that stuff and pull it all up. Um, so it's very possible that these parents were involved in passing their children around and, you know, just giving them NyQuil or Benadryl one night and giving them too much and she died. So, yeah, um, there are lots of theories out there about this case. This case is very, very strange. Yeah, it is. A lot of, a lot of twists and turns on that one. I I would be interested in knowing though, when those sketches came out of the Podestas and of Maxwell. Just to make sure they weren't conveniently um, released. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, were, did they come out in 2007 when the other ones came out? Yeah, let's see here. I, I would just like, you know, just to, to know for sure. I'm kind of looking, and it seems... I'm trying to see if I can pull this up on a... 
and, and widen it out so I can. This one's got a kind of a caption with it. And oh, your email just popped up. Now everybody's got your email. That's good. <laughs> it took me to Pinterest for some reason. Um, I can't read it. It's too small. It says, uh, sighting of a man carrying a child that night was reported by Martin and Mary Smith on holiday from Ireland. Scotland Yard concluded in 2013 that the Smith sighting offered the approximate time of Madeline's kidnap. The Smith saw the man around 2200. That would have been, uh, what, 10 p.m. local time on Rua de Escola Primaria, 500 <laughs> yards from the McCann's apartment, walking toward Rua 25 de Abril and the beach. He was carrying a little girl aged three to four years. She had blonde hair and pale skin. She was wearing a light-colored light colored pajamas and had bare feet. He did not look like a tourist, according to the Smiths, and had seemed uncomfortable carrying the child. So that's the backstory on the person that gave the description to the sketch artist. But I believe that that is the one that is found to be the father of a child that was picked up at the daycare. Ah. Yeah, because I'm really trying to dig here in my memory, but I'm pretty sure the only witness that I recall that saw someone with a child was later found to be a legitimate parent. Gotcha. And that's the thing is these people had so much money and they're staying in this resort that has babysitters yeah. and daycares that where they can just leave their children with them or have them come sit in the room. And out of like five families, they didn't want to pay the money. It's well, it's a different lifestyle than you and I will ever experience. Uh, Having that kind of money, you know. <laughs> but they're your children. But they're your children, yeah. I mean, spend the 40 bucks a night <laughs> and get a babysitter. We know y'all got the money. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's a hold up. What's some of the other ones we're going to be talking about in uh, future episodes? What are some of the other stories? Yeah, uh, just off the top of your head. Oh, do you think gosh. of any? Well, the Sandusky thing with Penn State. Right. That's a huge trafficking thing, I believe. Um, so you got, think you think Sandusky and, and Penn State is more than just Jerry Sandusky abusing oh, boys? Absolutely. Like, okay, so for instance, there's a prosecutor that went missing. Gosh, what year did he go missing? Um, I can't remember, but he actually was investigating um, Sandusky back in 1998, and he wasn't allowed to prosecute him. And that particular prosecutor went missing. I want to say like a year before the story broke with Penn State. Yeah. He wasn't the only one that went missing either that was involved in this case. Now, of course, at the time, they didn't realize it was tied to Penn State. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think with all the cover-up, why would so many people be covering up for Sandusky? Well, and it was you a know? story that really bought, brought some some hard... Hitting news to the sports world. It's it's a story that the sports world didn't ask for. Right. In sports, and we've elaborated on this at length, especially here as of late, we watch sports to escape reality. We watch sports to escape what's going on in the world. For a time, while watching sports, we can all come together, even when cheering against you know, opposing teams, 
we could still come together and escape the reality of life or the reality of what's in the news. These two collided with the Jerry Sandusky thing, and it was so big because not only of the sick nature of the crimes, but it affected an entire university and ultimately an entire fan base, right? At least for that football program, because when that happened, you had the 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 athletic department getting in trouble by the NCAA. You know, they oh, yeah, imposed they covered they sanctions covered it up <laughs> because it was so widespread. And yeah. now everybody in that department, in the in the athletic department, and football coaches in particular, denied any knowledge of this, which we a lot of us find hard to believe. Joe Paterno, the head coach, Jerry Sandusky is the defensive coordinator. Joe Paterno is the head coach. You can't tell me that he never caught wind of something like this going on. He ultimately had to resign in disgrace because he couldn't take the pressure of the accusations anymore, and he died shortly after. Now, Joe Paterno was the longest-serving head coach in history. He may still hold that record. I'm not sure. Uh, but he was an old guy, you know. He was a fragile old guy. And if you ever, you know, half the time he'd have to be up in the in the skybox coaching because he was just too feeble to be on the sidelines. Like if he got if he got hit by a missed tackle, he'd be done for. And I think he did, like not long before all this came down. Uh, he retired or, or stepped down from his position, then he died. And one thing I've always found interesting is he always, when asked when he was going to retire, he would always say, "I'm not going to retire." Uh, I'm always scared of suffering the fate that my good friend Paul Bear Bryant did, which was passing away once you retired. It's almost like your life was football, your life was coaching, and at the end of it, and at the end of your coaching career, that's kind of the end of your life. And that's what happened. But with that cloud of controversy and scandal, especially related to pedophilia, all the work you did in your life coaching football and everything else and that's how your life ended which well deserved if you're involved in that or you knew about it and covered it up and I don't know that we we know how many boys were abused by Jerry Sandusky could have been endless yeah they had camps football camps where he got his pick I mean it was crazy it happened in in what we see in these cases so many times they take advantage of children from disadvantaged neighborhoods and disadvantaged families. We were looking at, well, you're watching a little bit of this today, and, and one of the kids, I think victim number one, he was named in the lawsuit as victim number one. He was from a uh, single-parent household. They didn't have any money. They were, you know, barely scraping by. This kid was playing athletics, and Jerry Sandusky took him under his wing and and tried to play that father figure, gained the mom's trust, and then that's where the abuse started. He was getting this kid to come over to his house on the weekends and everything else. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a really, really convoluted story that, you know, nobody talks about now because the case has been done. But, but see, that's the problem is that it's so widespread and they the media covers a lot of it up. Right. And people aren't connecting the dots because it's being covered up. 
Yeah. And that's a lot of the problem. I mean, you hear even in John Bonet Ramsey's case, you know, her sister died when she was, I believe, 16 years old, but she had just come out and said that her father, along with his rich friends, would have um, like cult meetings, if you will, dressed in like all black robes, and they would pass the little girls around at these at these worships or whatever you want to call them like these satanic yeah and so even in that case there's a little feel of maybe something was going on sinister in that household and that's something else that that we'll obviously get to in in future episodes is the tie to the satanic rituals yeah and, and really the religion of what do you call it? Satanism? Well, and people think it's not real, but it's been caught on video. There's audio evidence of it. Luciferian. I mean, it's, that's it's I happening. think that's the, the religion, what it's uh mm-hmm. what it's called. But yeah, a lot of that ties in together and people you know, people call you crazy for talking about it, but here's the thing. They're actually doing it though. They're they're doing it and, and it's almost as if they're open about it without saying we we worship Satan, or you know, we we're doing some pretty horrific crimes. It's what? almost as if they're bragging about it in a secretive way. Well, and what they do say is that you have to acknowledge it publicly. Um, that's just one of the rules. It's like part of the religion. Is, it's part of it. You yeah. have to. There's hand signals. There's gestures they do. There's things that they say. Um, images they portray. And they've taught us all that if we investigate things and look into things and want to know why they're doing this, that we're crazy. Yeah. It's just a conspiracy and you're crazy. Well, it's not a conspiracy if there's 300 of you doing the same thing. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's pretty widespread. And actually, as of right now, today's the 25th, July 25th. You and I were watching a thing about, I think it was the 15th through the 25th. Or, no, it was the 17th through the 27th, where that was their their 10 days of rituals, where they literally do almost this sort of sacrificial thing with children. Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds crazy, and a lot of people are going to think we're nuts for talking about this. But, but just we're look just, into it. Yeah, we're just talking about what we've looked into. This is simply just saying... What's it hurt to look into it? What's it hurt to talk about it? There's nothing wrong with talking about this stuff. But we do know some things. We do know that there were sick individuals like Jerry Sandusky and Jeffrey Epstein and and, uh, these other high-profile pedophiles that have been busted. Mm -hmm. We know that people are using shady pedophile code words. We know celebrities are getting on stages and getting on TV and, and doing hand symbols and everything else that are known to be satanic, satanic or whatever. We know that. that's That you cannot dispute that. Whether they're doing it innocently or not, these things are happening. So it's, it's, it's worth looking into. But the biggest fact that can't be denied and should be the only reason, the only... The only fact you would need to look into this stuff or discuss it is 8 million children missing and nobody knows where they're at. It's a $150 billion industry. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money and a lot of power. There are kids that have disappeared that were never found. No, no body was recovered. 
Nothing. We had a guy, and this is how prevalent it is. It, it's Again, it's hard to talk about because it is one of the most sinister, disgusting, vile things that I think a human being can do. And that is to violate a child in any way. Physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever. Is It's so prevalent. Is it prevalent or prevalent? Prevalent. Okay. <laughs> We're learning, people. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's so prevalent that we had, this week on 99.5, as I was filling in for Matt and Ani, had somebody call in and tell us their personal story of where that happened. To his cousin, I believe it was his cousin. Yes. And he said that when they were kids, he just, they were out getting ice cream. They were on the street one day. They all ran back to the house. The he, the kid that, that got, that disappeared was the last one getting his ice cream, but he never came back. And they never figured out what happened to him. He just disappeared out of thin air. And just think about millions of other people millions you know hundreds of thousands of of families that have that exact same story all over the world and there are organizations that are set up for pedophiles to all network together they actually have a catalog it used to be a paper catalog that they mailed to all their members and a hotline they could all call very very proud of it too um there are videos on youtube where you can see uh the founders of that organization you know showing some of the stuff they're proud of it um, and there are some politicians are trying to pass legislation saying that people can identify as a child. Yeah, y- y- there's a, even a term for it. Yeah. it it's called um, age fluid, right. right? So that some 50-year-old man can say, I'm identifying as an 8-year-old boy. So what I'm doing to this 8-year-old girl is not illegal because I'm a child as well. It is... A person whose a, a person whose age identity is not fixed and changes over time or depending on the situation. That is the definition of age fluid. This is actually happening. This is a thing. Now, there is also a, a well-known group that has been around for decades that we in 2020 still allowed to exist called NAMBLA. NAMBLA is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. It is a real legitimate pedophilia organization that their main goal is to normalize pedophilia. And they think the age of consent should be lowered to four years old. Four years old. I had to bang on the wall to uh, get our neighbors to be quiet. <laughs> A.K.A. my teenage daughter. <laughs> yeah. We got to deal with them before this podcast. We're like, we're doing a podcast. It may take a couple hours, whatever. Y'all go in the living room, do what you got to do. You know, just don't. Just go in there so we don't. Ha- you don't have to worry about being quiet. And so what they've done is they've come back here and now they're being loud. Yeah. I've sent about 20 text messages and begging. I'm, I'm, I'm at the point I'm about to start <laughs> offering money. I'm like, We're just going to have to move the studio back outside. Can I, can I give you $100 to be quiet for the next 20 <laughs> minutes? I wouldn't have to pay that. I guarantee you. 
they'd end up saying something. But Nambla is a thing, okay? And this can be, a lot of us have said this, okay? With the normalization of transgender, of, of gender fluidity, uh, whether you want to... I personally don't put gay marriage in in this category, but it's it's just as easy to put gay marriage and say, "Hey, we've we've pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. Where does it stop? We, we we've never drawn a line to where we say this is unacceptable. We're not we're not going to keep moving what is normal or what is acceptable until the weirdos." are accepted in society. The pedophiles are accepted into society. I'm not going to be joining a, uh, a a gay pride parade. I'm not going to be waving a rainbow flag. But I'm also not judging people for being gay. That's why I kind of separate that one, okay? Whether we disagree on homosexuality or whatever, that's, that's fine. I don't care. It's the law of the land, so it shouldn't be a discussion anyway, right? But when you get into the world of promoting this transgender agenda to children, you're 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 pushing the line to things like NAMBLA and age fluid and different things that are nothing more than an attempt to normalize pedophilia. And if with what we're talking about, if there are that many people, especially powerful people, that live that lifestyle, who's to say that they don't succeed? Well, maybe they're trying to pass that just so that if charges do come out, it's now no longer a crime. Right. So that leads me to this question. Do you think, I just saw a clip of Trump the other day that I'd never seen before. Um, Not really sure what he was doing at the time. He had media there and like 10 or 12 people around the table and he declared that that one of his missions was to end the sex trafficking in this country. And I'm kind of wondering if that wasn't what got him involved in running in the first place. To take some of this stuff down. To take some of this stuff down. I'm wondering if he didn't start getting in these inner circles and realize what was going on. And he just decided, I've had enough of this. Right. And that's why so many people in the media and the politicians, I've never, I've been watching politics like so extremely close for 20 years. I've never seen the media and the other politicians in the, the same party go after a president the way that they've gone after him. And, and um, I'm and just if, wondering if yeah. that might be why. There is no reason to, to legitimately say that that couldn't be an extreme... That couldn't be a possibility. I'm just curious if maybe he just saw too much and and wanted to put a stop to it, and they knew that this stuff would bury them. Well, for people that follow QAnon and they follow these other groups that really look into this stuff, and you call them conspiracy theorists or whatever, I don't do the QAnon stuff. I don't do the Reddit message boards or any of that. Yeah, I don't either. But they... They put out a lot of stuff, and they keep a close eye on this, and, and they're saying themselves that everything we're seeing is an attempt to stop what would be, a, 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 for lack of a better term, a huge sex trafficking bust. Right. And expose a lot of powerful people. I mean, 
I don't know if you've heard this term, but Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Well, there is a reason nobody thinks he killed himself is because he, we all know, whether we want to talk about child sex trafficking or not, we know he had a lot of information on a lot of powerful people. More than just Alan Dershowitz, Bill Clinton, and Prince Andrew. It was a lot of people, a lot of powerful people that would have no problem killing Jeffrey Epstein inside of a jail. You look at look at what happened when he committed suicide, quote unquote. Right? It is a a jail, a prison that houses El Chapo and others, some of the most heinous criminals, right? And somehow he was able to kill himself at a time the guards were asleep. And the cameras weren't working? Come on. Here's Donald Trump speaking on what you were just talking about, Trish, the uh, uh, the child human trafficking epidemic. Focus on ending the absolutely horrific practice of human trafficking. And I am prepared to bring the full force and weight of our government to the federal and at the federal level and the other highest levels, whatever we can do in order to solve this horrific problem, getting worse, and it's happening in the United States, in addition to the rest of the world, but it's happening in the United States, which is terrible. And really, he's talking about human trafficking in general, not just children. Right. Because it started with children. It started with children. No, and he started with children in that clip. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and really, we should start with trying to crack this case of child trafficking worldwide with the children, or human trafficking, start with the children. Now, on the side of actual human trafficking, when you're talking about adult females that are trafficked, and even males in some cases, we're probably going to do a show on that as well. We've got somebody that deals with that directly in the sense of um, working with victims of this trafficking. Yeah, ministers to them. Ministers to them, helps them out, helps them get their life back on track. A lot of y'all know who this is. This is Roxanne, who is on WDJC here in Birmingham, 93.7. I'm good friends with her. I worked with her, you know, the the last radio station I was at. I haven't talked to her about this. Yeah, surprise, Roxanne. (laughs) Surprise, you're going to be on our show. But I'm going to reach out to her and see if we can talk to her about some of this stuff because, you know, she's got a lot of inside knowledge on that. And I think it would be extremely interesting. Um, we're going to, we're about to wrap this podcast up, but we just wanted to kind of throw at you guys what we were going to be doing. And this is take this podcast as a rough draft. Yeah. Okay. This is our first one. And we wanted to get in here and knock this one out so we could really kind of kind of get a, a view of where we wanted this to go. I We wanted it to be just a conversation between us, even though I don't think it turned out that way tonight, and that's mostly my fault because I'm so used to getting on right. here and doing Andrew Radio. And, and You did good. Well, I take, the, I take the bull by the horns. <laughs> you let me talk. And some. I take I over. I appreciate it. But yeah, I, it's got to be a conversation because mainly because you know so much more about this stuff than I do. Um, well, and these are just cases that I personally 
have been drawn to over the years. If you guys have some cases that you know about, let us know. Yes. Because we would love to look into it further and connect more dots, you know? Yeah, you can get... Uh, do you want your social media out there or no? I mean, that's fine. I mean, you're going to be a celebrity now. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Patricia Caswell on Facebook. That's your main social media that you use. Yes. Um, You don't really do Twitter or anything. Yeah, I haven't been on my Twitter in like two years. But the big one is to go to the Over the Line page. Uh, on Facebook, and over the line on YouTube as well. You can contact us through either one of those. One of the other cases we'll be talking about is going to be um, Wayfair. Yes. Wayfair is a big one, and uh, it's it's in the news right now that uh, there are... In, it's It's been... It's, it's being discredited by the media as soon as it pops up. It, and this goes back to why people have such a hard time wrapping their mind around child sex trafficking being so widespread. Because the media basically brainwashes you. And this stuff is there. You just have to look for it. You The information is there. You just have to look for it. Well, and you go to the sites. I just pulled Wayfair Trafficking. Fact check, home goods retailer Wayfair is not involved in child sex trafficking. Yet they had a Sandusky cabinet. <laughs> right. Baseless Wayfair child trafficking theory spreads online. Wayfair is not involved in child sex trafficking. You go to Snopes. Snopes said, is Wayfair trafficking children via overpriced items? False. In July 2020, some social media users accused the furniture store on Wayfair of trafficking children. This is gravely a gravely serious accusation, and it was not based on police reports, first-hand accounts, financial records, or deep investigative reporting. Before I go, as I'm going to read through this real quick, can you run grab me uh, a a a drink out of the fridge? Would you mind doing that? Are you serious? No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Do you care? I don't care, but I'm way underneath this table. No, just push it back. Just okay. you got it. See, this is our. This is how we practice about being more laid back and not so professional with the podcast. <laughs> so it goes on to say that uh, rather it was based on the fact that some items on Wayfair were listed at exorbitant prices compared to other similar items. The rumor appears to have originated on the conspiracy section of Reddit on July 9th. That post noted that Wayfair was selling utility closets from WFX that were priced at more than $10,000 and offered child trafficking as a possible explanation. That post, like so many other conspiracy theories, here they go discrediting it, offered this notion as a mere possibility and said that it would be stomach-churning if true. Quote-unquote, if true. You see that? So, hold on a second. Oh crap! I think I think this is a pop top. Is it? Do you have a? No, I don't have a beer opener uh, uh, with me. <laughs> it's not a beer. It's not a beer. What is it? My mamaw might be listening, so it's not a beer. <sighs> mamaw, it's a beer. Ah, stop! And I love you, by the way. <laughs> she does. Uh, let me try this. Here's Hold the on. thing with the wafer thing. I know we're in, wrapping this up, but we actually tested it. We went to the site. We pulled up the cabinets. We took the UPC codes from the cabinets and put them into that Russian. You got that over there? No, I don't have it. Web browser. You, and it brought you, up the You talk about girls. this. I'll be right back. So <laughs> we actually tested the theory ourselves. And uh, here you go. 
Thank you. And well, tell them about tell them about the as we were talking about it about how you had that Facebook ad pop up. Okay. Yeah, so okay, originally we tested the Wayfair thing. We heard that if you took you know, the cabinets on on the website were like probably $250 cabinets that were being sold anywhere from ten to $30,000. They had the names of missing children, and I mean like first and last name of a missing child. Um, when you took the barcode that was listed in the item description and you put it into the Russian Google, it would pull up pictures of the children. So that's the story. Now, a couple of days after we talked about it on the radio, we talked about it, didn't we, on the radio, uh, on the podcast? Yes, we did. We brought it um, up. I actually had a Wayfair ad pop up on Facebook, and it was a white cabinet, just like the others were previously, and it was called the Sandusky Cabinet. And it was highly priced as well, was it not? Yeah, it was like a $15,000 cabinet. I screenshot, you know, the ad. I also clicked on it to make sure it wasn't like a meme that somebody had posted or whatever. And it took me to Wayfair. I had to put in my email address to, to get to all of the products. But it was a legitimate ad. It was called the Sandusky Cabinet. It's it's <laughs> it's kind of a coincidence. I mean, that's a weird coincidence. I'm it, sorry. It's bizarre. And I think the... And this would be my expertise. Uh, the media working so hard to discredit every conspiracy theory is almost maddening. And they did the same thing in the Snopes article about Wayfair... If you go, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it posts a few tweets and posts from Reddit and stuff and be like, look how crazy this, these people are saying this stuff. Through the entire article, at, at no point do they make any attempt to actually discredit the, the theory itself. They just say, well, these people are crazy and they don't have any hard evidence other than these cabinets that are being sold for $10,000 that happened... To have a name attached to them that matches up with missing children, you know, <laughs> which I think that's enough to actually ask the question. It's, and I, I and think some can, of these names were so bizarre. Right. Well, in general, conspiracy theorists they want to ask questions, and the media will have none of it. Even politicians will have none of it. They don't want you asking questions. If nothing nefarious is going on, and you know this, dealing with anything in life, if nothing nefarious is going on, then there should be a reasonable explanation for it. But we never are granted those explanations. If we have a conspiracy theory, I'm not wasting my time answering those conspiracy nut job tinfoil hat questions. That's what we get. So hopefully, maybe, as we do this podcast series, and we got to come up with a name for it, hopefully you guys can maybe message us with some name suggestions. And we'll get better at it, I promise. Because it'll be, it'll be <laughs> under the over-the-line um, umbrella, but we want it to kind of be its own thing as well. And hopefully this, this is something that can get more people talking about it. I mean, those of you that listen to Over the Line, you listen because of the political talk. Because we're goofy sometimes. We don't talk about this stuff. But maybe that we can plant the seed in your head 
to ask the questions. Just do the research. Take 10 minutes. Do the research. Y'all know how important I think it is to do your own research. I never expect anybody that listens to me on this podcast or on the radio to take me at my word. I I do radio and I do podcasting with a mindset of every single person listening is going to go fact check me. And the I last thing I want... You. Yeah, she even fact I checks do. me. When we have conversations, I, I literally will pull my phone out. <laughs> and so with that frame of mind, I make sure I put out accurate information. And I ask, you know, legitimate questions. This is going to be the same thing. We may not ever prove anything with our podcast or crack any case. But if we can get some of you guys thinking about this and looking into it and just being aware, okay? Even if it results in you being a little safer with your kid when you're out and about, that's enough for us. Well, and how interesting will it be for us to have a topic and people get to interact with us in the comments and further right. the conversation. Well, I think that'll and be a good to part the conversation. Too. Like that's what I want it to be like kind of a laid back atmosphere where we're hanging out with you guys um, just having a conversation about these random topics. So do that as we uh, wrap up this uh, initial edition of our conspiracy theory podcast that we're relying on you guys to give us a name for. Um, give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. If there's something different we can do, uh, you guys think that would... Uh, we can call it skirting the line. Yeah, skirting the line, <laughs> whatever. And uh, we would love to hear the feedback from you guys. So just kind of hit us up and let us know. Again, you can get Trish on social media, me on social media. But uh, the big thing is over the line. The over the line social media on Facebook and on YouTube. If you are watching this on Facebook Live, which is where we broadcasted tonight, and you only got to hear a portion of this and want to hear the whole thing, we will be posting this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other outlets that you normally listen to the show on. So keep an eye out for that. That should be up tonight, honestly. And, uh, and we need like 200 people to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel so we can do live videos there. <laughs> That's true. If you guys get us 200 more subscribers on YouTube... We will do these on a regular basis. You won't have to stare at our computer screen. We'll be on camera. Yeah. And uh, we'll do it top notch. We'll give 100% always, but we'll get the technology to give you 100% as well. Exactly. Trish, thank you very much for doing thank this with me. I had a lot of fun. Me. me too. And uh, I can't wait to do the next one. Aliens, it's gonna here be, we come. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> All right. Until next time. See you, Cole. Cool.